All right, opening up the Fearlessly Questioning archives one more time, and for none other than Anne Hanley, a prominent voice in the marketing and writing space. And really, I thought it was interesting because I thought the conversation, I really didn't remember it properly, I guess. I thought the conversation, this is about four years old, I thought it went in a slightly different direction, but actually ended up being more, I don't want to say positive, but it was more focused on uh, making sure that you are actively pursuing opportunities that you maybe maybe are unsure of if they're going to be positive or just just I guess maybe really really kind of go getting things and I thought it was really more about being selective about what you were you were choosing and I think it's maybe a little bit of both but um, I don't think there's ever really a bad time to again reignite the conversation around. You know, taking bigger chances, getting out of your comfort zone and not being afraid to, again, opt in, I guess, to things that that on the surface might not make sense or might feel like something that you would normally not do. Uh, but again, also having the perspective and awareness to know where you need to draw the line, when to say no. And, and we do actually straddle that line, I think, fairly nicely balancing out, you know, what's important, what's it, what's not. And, and it's always fun to just kind of look back and see how this is held up. And it's certainly fascinating to hear somebody like Anne, who has uh, obviously opted into enough things to get her to you know, whatever point at that time in her career and obviously where she is now uh, to where, you know, she had originally come from. So just again, just to, just to kind of get out of the comfort zone, take some chances, all of those good things. So I thought you'd enjoy it as we're kind of maybe kicking back, taking it easy today on this one. So here you go. Ann Hanley, are you ready to fearlessly question today? <laughs> I am ready, Joey. I like the enthusiasm. Oh, I yeah. think I, good feeling, good vibes already. Um, good. And we briefly, I mean, I'm talking like not even a cup of coffee met like for five seconds at inbound 14. I doubt you remember it. Um, I do. You do? There's no way you remember that because I don't even remember it. I was there. I was, I was standing there with uh, Joe Polizzi. Oh, see, I do remember. Yes, because there was an awkward guy that I was with who took your picture with Joe. It was kind of weird. Yes. He walks around with a camera, and I had to distance myself from him several occasions, but it was okay. I'm glad. I think he really wanted Joe's picture. I don't. Th I think I was standing there, and he felt too rude to say, oh, could you? So. 
We got a picture. I don't know if you ever got that picture. I don't know if it exists, if it's framed in your office somewhere, but... Uh, but it's not. I would like that picture, actually. Those are good friends. I would love to well, I'll see, have them. Maybe I'll try to get down for you. I'm sure I can get it. I'm trying to get my hands on it. That probably is not. If I could do anything for you today, I don't know about a good conversation, <laughs> but if I could do anything, I can get you a picture. Get me that photo. Right. But actually, exactly. that's, that's, not my, that's not my biggest claim to fame when it comes to you. Uh, I don't know if you remember this either, but um, my biggest claim to fame is I helped you understand the difference between Chromecast and Apple TV. I don't know if you remember that. You know what? That's so funny that you brought that up because it came up on my time hop on, what day did we talk? Was it Tuesday? Uh, we talked, boy, now you're just really pressing my memory here. I don't know. We talked sometime. No, Monday. We talked Monday, yes, Monday. Monday, right. Yeah. So on Monday, it showed up on my time hop, and, um, and I was like, and it was after our conversation, otherwise I would have mentioned it. But I was just like, yes, that was exactly it. Apple, because I was debating Apple TV, Chromecast, or the Roku, I think, the Roku Saray. We had already had the Chromecast in the house, if my memory serves, and I'm thinking to myself during the whole thing, it's like, Ann Hanley, she writes books, she's a pretty big time, I mean, why isn't she just to buy all three? I mean, let's just get serious. You know, I didn't know, know Ann Hanley really, like, had a pretty tight internet streaming budget. I didn't know, I mean, I don't know what kind of, what kind of thing she I know it. I'm only willing to stream if it's under thirty-seven dollars. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take you for that kind of internet streaming person, but you know, hey. No, you know what the big thing was. So my my teenage daughter um, is a huge YouTube fan, right? So she wanted the ability to watch YouTube on um, on our big screen. So that's what the issue was. So um, that's what I was. That was my objective. So really, it wasn't so much a price as much as a feature issue. We made the right choice, and it's okay. And I mean, you're you're an internet marketer. You can say that you like YouTube too. It's okay. <laughs> well, I don't really watch a lot of like. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to watch them on the big screen. Like, I'm more a Netflix kind of person, so that's what I wanted to do. You like to keep your YouTube viewing private. You don't want others to know what kind of videos you're watching. Exactly. All right. Well, we will, my YouTube. We, <laughs> we will uh, we will try and get a little bit serious. I said in our conversation on Monday that we might not say a serious thing between the two of us this entire time, and we'll see how it goes. But so far, we're good. <laughs> but yeah, we're doing we're doing well so far. Uh, and why don't you catch everybody up? You did a little bit in your rant video leading up to this, but tell us your story as it relates to fearlessly questioning, opting out, and some other things like that. Sure. So uh, so my story as it relates to fearlessly questioning uh, goes back to speaking of inbound goes back to inbound uh, 13, I guess it was, um, when I shared a story um, about my incredibly introverted life as a child um, and about how I was basically just afraid of everything, um, just a bunch of weird stuff, you know, my, my brother's friends, the smell of the cellar, anybody who ever came to our house to visit. And so I told this whole story um, about what a sort of weird kid I was. Um, and then uh, also shared the story of how I kind of got over that, how I realized that just hiding and opting out consistently wasn't really going to get me where I wanted to be because I also had a um, certain ambition, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and so I shared that story about you know, what that mechanism was. And what it was was uh, an episode that happened when I was in the fourth grade. And the teacher, our, our teacher at the time, who was one of these super engaged teachers who really prized herself on getting, you know, 100 150% class participation and just really challenging kids to speak up and be vocal and be active in the classroom. Exactly the kind of teacher that I loathed, by the way, because she sort of screwed with my philosophy about school, which was to keep my head down and, you know, align myself with the person in front of me and be very, very quiet and kind of under the radar. Um, but she didn't do under the radar. She didn't let anybody go under the radar. So um, 
So one day she sent us all out onto the field hockey field to engage in some sort of leadership game. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> now when I, when I think back, and I've tried to remember what it was, what the objective actually was, and I'm not sure. Um, but if there was one thing that I hated more than I hated attention, it would be sports, right? I was terrible at sports. And, um, and so I sort of did a double opt-out in the sense that uh, she only had enough sticks to go around for half the class. So the idea was that midway through, she blew the whistle, we were supposed to switch, and the kids on the sidelines were supposed to go out in the field. Um, and so when she blew that whistle, I had been on the sidelines, and I just sort of set my sights on the jockeyest, beefiest girl <laughs> that I could find, and, uh, and I told her she could have a double turn. And uh, she was psyched, and I was completely counting on the teacher to not notice that I was not out on the field, um, which I don't think she did, but she did notice that that really aggressive athletic girl had been out, was out on the field again. Um, so she questioned her on it, and the girl ratted me out, essentially. Um, which, you know, it sounds like such a small thing, but to me at the time it was, you know, so so devastating on a couple of different levels. You know, number one, that I actually was found out to be um, opting out of something. So she made a huge stink about it, called my parents, involved the principal, all this other stuff. Because um, remember, she was a teacher who really loved class participation, and she thought it was a good way to... to you know, teach me a lesson, so to speak, in a positive way. <laughs> um, and uh, but the other reason was that I ended up getting an F on my report card that year and, um, and for that particular class, and it really devastated me, and it really just sort of shook me out of this notion that you can opt out and, and still succeed in life. And so I look back on that now, and I think, you know, that's such an elementary story. It's probably a story that's happened to so many versions of that story, probably happened to so many kids all around the world. but. You know, for me, that was just the, the mechanism that, you know, sort of triggered me out of this, this uh, mindset of consistently saying no and opting out and hiding and into being more willing to challenge myself to do things that I needed to do to succeed. Well, you kind of answered my first question that I had, so um, doing good right now. Uh, no, so, but when you said that, you know, she kind of screwed up your whole plans in school uh, to kind of just kind of sit back and not not participate. That was me. So, like, that's where we kind of, I, I said, all right, yes, Anne, we're going to be good friends, uh, even though we're not, but, you know, I think we have a connection here, and um, should should we be forced to, to do that kind of stuff? I mean, first of all, I guess the, the, the flaw in your plan with the whole field hockey thing, uh, you should have went for that middle of the road person. I mean, going no. all, that's I, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't have a better plan. I think it, on strategy was really weak, don't you think? Well, I mean, it's like it's like if you're gonna steal something, at least be good at it. You know, it's like if you're gonna, you know, I mean, just at least be good at you know picking the right person to not like be yeah. a beast on the field hockey team. But I mean, should we be forced to 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 kind of do these things, or should it be something that should come natural, or at least have it be more of our own idea? You know, in, to opt into situations like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's that's kind of an age-old question, I guess. You know. Um, that teacher's philosophy was definitely that we should be forced. But, you know, to her credit, when I think back on her now, I mean, she was actually a phenomenal teacher. Really, all she was doing was encouraging us. Um, and so, you know, when I think back on it now, she was really, she was a gift, you know, in, in so many ways, probably for most students in that classroom, you know, aside from me. So the 29 other kids who were in that classroom probably loved the heck out of her. Um, it's just that I wasn't prepared for something like that. And so I think it really goes back to, 
I mean, we could really sit here all day in a therapy session about, you know, Ian's upbringing, but it kind of goes back to, um, you know, I was never, my parents, for example, never suggested that I might not want to be as, you know, as, um, I, that I might want to challenge myself a little bit more. Like, they never encouraged me to sort of step out of my comfort zone at all. So I think that's why that situation was particularly uncomfortable for me because, you know, you get into the fourth grade and all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? Um, you know, and so I don't know that that would really happen today to, like, you know, I think of my own kids and they were challenged really early on to um, to challenge themselves, you know. So that, But I was raised in a different point, you know, almost before... Um, before parenting was really invented, it's hard. <laughs> before self-esteem was invented, like we didn't think about stuff. My parents didn't think about stuff like that. You know, I think in their mind it was like, oh, she's happy. She's got a book. She's under her bed. Let's weird her out about that. Where I think you know, in modern parenting, we would probably not let that go on for quite as long as it did. Well, I, see, I'm going to push back on this because I think I mean I have two little ones. They're not even close to being able to do anything like that yet. But I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I, I sat through high school and most of college saying, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. Like I just, you know, you're, you're not giving me much reason. If you're making me read out loud in class, like that's the dumbest thing I've ever experienced. And, um, you know, but yet here we are. I mean, obviously you've done it a little bit better than I have, but we're talking to lots of people. You're, I mean, you go from, you know, opting out in gym class to, I, I don't know what your Twitter, Twitter follower account is, but it's beyond 80,000 last time I checked. I mean, how, how does that happen? You're writing books. I mean, you're speaking in front of tons of people. Yeah. What 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 kind of flipped in your head? Um, what flipped in my head was that even though I might have the impulse to say no, that I should maybe think about whether that's really, really what I want. Because the reality is, you know, even though I was saying no, I really didn't like being introverted. You know, I didn't necessarily like being that way. I was filled with anxiety, right? So I think I think that the point that I that I you know really do take away from that is that. You know, at some level, you choose who you're going to be, right? You can be that kid under the bed, and if you're totally happy being that kid under the bed, that's great. But I, when I think back on it, I wasn't really all that happy. I was just, um, you know, I just didn't know how else to cope, really, because I was so incredibly introverted. So, you know, I, I guess we all find our own place, but I think it's at some point, if you don't want to be that person, you've got to decide that I'm not going to be that person. And that's really what happened. I don't think anything... You know, nobody forced me necessarily. It was really me deciding, you know, I need to empower myself to not be that kid because I don't want to spend the rest of my life opting out and saying no and hiding under the bed and being afraid. And that's really how I, how I was. You know? Yeah, and so there's two kind of parts of this. So there's like saying no, being introverted, but then there's like, you know, it's beyond, it's not so much introvertedness, it's the ability to not kind of see opportunity. Uh, when I kind of think of opting out, you know, it's just like, eh, you know, I just, I don't want to do that because it's too much work or whatever. You know, it's not so much being shy. Uh, so the question that I have to you is then how much of this opting out kind of thing that we're beating into the ground here, how much of that is more um, opportunity blindness, as I like to say? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, I think it, it, there was a lot of, of opportunity blindness. I assumed that I could be fine, you know, just just sort of going along and being the way it was. Um, and it wasn't until that point in the field that day that I thought, you know, I, I can't I can't be this way. You know, I can't opt out of everything and still be a success. You know, at, at the time, success was defined by grades. Um, but I think, you know, fast forward, you know, 20 or 30 years, and, and I define it differently now. Um, 
but I guess, you know, ultimately what ended up happening there was, was just sort of actualizing, self-actualizing that, you know, I need to, I need to be different. I need to do something a little bit differently if I want to pursue opportunities. Um, and so, you know, so I, so I guess for me it was probably a little well, we will let you take a break from fielding the questions, and this time we're going to let you turn the tables on everybody else and ask kind of everybody a question, a fearless question of your own that you've always wanted to know the answer to, a little bit curious, but we're unsure of the response that you were going to get. What question would that be? Let's see. You promised me that it didn't have to be anything all that serious, right? I, I, I mean, I tell that to people before the show. I don't, I mean, I just kind of let the secret out of the bag, but... Uh, oh, geez. Just now, you're um, just pulling the curtain back and letting all the magic fly out. <laughs> I don't know. It's necessarily a fearless question, but here's my question: Kindle or paper book? Uh-huh. I like that. There are deeper implications that can go beyond that. If you wanted to read into that, uh, if you had to answer your own question. Oh, paper book for sure. I actually, so I mean, I have the Kindle app on my iPad, and I have read. I mean, it's kind of fun to to read on the Kindle, but I don't know. Something about it just it doesn't have the same feel to me. It just I don't like the, the lack of the paper. It doesn't feel quite as tactical and feels less real in some ways. But so this is a perfect question because this this comes down to personal preference versus kind of overall good of like kind of like the world thing. So like <laughs> books being printed on paper versus mm-hmm. you know, doing something that's more eco-friendly if you will. How much yeah. of that weighs into that? Like I mean like you're saying yeah I like these you know this feel this paper thing but I know that well if I could save a tree I might as well. So in other words, I'm just a jerk if I if I read a print book. If I, I, I your words not mine, Anne. Your <laughs> words not mine. I don't know. I mean, you know, I I feel like you know I I do my part with that, but when it comes to books, I just really like a I really like a print book. You know, so you're saying you, you're saying offset it. Just be selfish. Pick your thing to be selfish about and offset it with something else. Thing to be selfish about. I guess that's one way to think about it. Um, yeah, just you know, as long as you use recyclable supermarket bags, um, then you're you're okay. You know, if you just if you bring your bags with you to the grocery store, you can you can read a print book. I, I think I feel like I can I could read like twenty print books a year because I do that. Does that make sense? Probably not. probably that I, math. I, I will I will buy that right now. I will <laughs> if I change my mind, I will let you know. But uh, if I have, if I have to answer your question, I'm definitely uh, not a Kindle, but a tablet version of, oh, of, of reading. I well, I mean. This is the least the thing I like to admit about myself the least, and that is I don't read books that much. I think I told you as much in an email. I, I wish I, I wish I had the attention span, but uh, when I do read a book, it's going to be on electronic form. Actually, keeping something around me often enough to when I'm in the mood to read, it's not going to happen. So, but, yeah. But I'm ashamed, and I'll, I'll hang my head now. I think of print books as um, you know, it's like I actually I love I love reading. Um, print books, and so when I get to very close to the end, like when I'm within, say, 50 pages or something like that, if it's a book that I really, really love, I often will just set it aside for weeks because I don't want it to end. So, in the sense that I don't want to lose the characters, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to let go. Um, and so, when I finally do finish a book, it somehow feels like it's going to sound completely strange, but it, it somehow feels comforting to me to still have that on my bookshelf, you know, it's almost like I still have my friends or there if I want them, and, um, and I don't get that feel from uh, from reading a book on a tablet or a Kindle or something. Well, and, and very good, and I think if I, if I were to change the, the format or the medium, I would say if it's not so much books, but if you were to say music, for me, it's I need, I like, I still actually buy CDs, you know, like I'm still yeah. holding out buying like digital music, like so I need the actual physical thing, it sounds better, I like it, so 
bars or video games to a lesser extent, which is another childish thing that I hold on to. But uh, I think I think everyone has that thing where it does feel better to actually have it, like a, a physical thing to touch. Is that like a weird psychological thing we will never be able to break, no matter how much we want to? I don't know, maybe. I mean, I have friends who, I mean, you probably have friends like this too, but they still collect vinyl albums, you know, so I guess it's a similar impulse, you know. I, I wanted to be one of those guys, but I feel like I would have gotten into it too late in the game and would have just been like that guy trying too hard, so maybe one day. <laughs> I, I guess you have to make a decision really early on. That's a good thing. Like, I feel like you could write a whole list of things to tell your children. Like, when you're 12 years old, start, you know, collecting vinyl albums or something like that. So. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, my, my, this is going to really come full circle. My children, they are four, well, going to be four and going to be two. Uh, they both actually got their own tablets for Christmas this year, and uh, think what you want of me, but uh, I actually set up email accounts. They have their own Google account now because, like, you have to tie it to, like, an account, and I was like, well, I'm not going to use my account. Like, we'll just give them their own email. They're going to need it anyways. I'll make sure that nobody steals their name, uh, and I thought about, well, what if I just, like, emailed them stuff, like, from time to time, and when they, you know, get older, they can read through them, and that might be fun. But that's, that's a good, that's, isn't that a Google commercial? Isn't that a Google Chrome commercial, I think, dear I think it let's is. just let's just say I stole it from that, but I don't know. That's I probably did not have a good enough original idea. Oh like my god! Yeah, that's a, it's a wonderful. Commercial. Actually, I think it's a, it's a piece of content essentially because it tells such a story. But it's such a great little. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, go ahead. Well, we will. We will. Enough of 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 my uh, weirdness and sending my kids emails and and all of this. But let's get back to the series. This is usually I start off with the hardest question, but for some reason I put it here. I don't know why. Um, this is the question I'm probably most interested to hear from you, and we're talking about opportunity blindness and um, and all that stuff. And, and I, I want to know what is something that you are currently opting out of, kind of by omission, or really not looking for. Really not looking for. Um, you know, it's funny as I as I know I shared with you previously. Um, I'm sort of at the opposite end of things now, in the sense that I need I find myself needing to say no to things. Uh, sometimes more often than I want to. Um, so I have a lot of demands on my time, um, you know, lots of requests for interviews and, and guest blog posts and, you know, speaking things and all kinds of things, which is wonderful. I mean, I'm incredibly grateful for it. But at the same time, it's it's a lot. And, um, and my daughter is a senior in high school, and I just want to be around a little bit more this year. So I found myself saying no so that I can spend a little bit more time just sort of in a more relaxed state, not always anticipating being behind on something or having to go on another trip or you know hop on another airplane or, or the case may be. But I have found myself just just pulling back a little bit at least you know at least for this year. So in a sense, you know, we're talking about opting out. In a sense, I'm opting. In. I wouldn't say I'm opting out. I think I'm just pulling back slightly. Um, at least you know at least this year, and I'll I'll reassess as we get into the fall, but. Um, but for right now, it actually that's that's where I'm at. It's hard. It's really hard because, you know, like I said, not only am I grateful for these opportunities, but you know, I love speaking and I, I love um, you know meeting new people and talking to people. And so it's you know it's a little bit tricky um, to try to to try to say no in a way that that is um, conveys future interest. I guess is what I'm saying. But it's uh, it's a little it's been a little bit of a challenge. I'm sort of, I'm sort of wrestling with that. Well, you could just say that you are opting into something different, but uh, if we wanted to get semantical about it, but yeah, uh, but uh, you are kind of uh, uh, just giving the whole thing away because you just now I could say go subscribe because that was going to be Anne's big secret question that she was afraid to answer herself, but she gave it to you here in the show, so she's really she's she's taking the magic out of just about everything, Anne. You're really <laughs> really making me work for it here today. 
Um, no, but I want to push you. I want to push you a little bit harder on that. Um, so when I when I mean by not you know something that you are not um, you know doing um, when you don't have when you're not looking for something. So let, let's take the example. You said Joe Polizzi is a good friend of yours. Uh, you have all these connections. You write, wrote these books. I mean, there are so many things that you could probably be doing if you wanted to. Um, that maybe are beyond what you kind of see your peers doing. What is that? I mean, like you could call somebody up today and say, let's do this because we can. Uh, is there anything like that that you're just kind of fighting off on the back of your head? Um, honestly, I, I, I mean, I'm not Richard Branson, you know. <laughs> it's not like I'm thinking, you know what I should do? I should, I should, I should travel to the moon. It's, you know, I'm not thinking about stuff like that. Um, you know, I think that uh, what I do. I mean, on, I don't know. I mean, I I definitely want to do more writing that's outside of marketing, um, but that's going to require a shift for me in mindset. So it's it's me going in a different direction. But I don't see myself doing that anytime soon. And it's not something that I'm necessarily saying no to. It's something that I'm putting off for a little while. Um, but you know, I started out as a writer. It's it's always been where my heart is, and you know, the through line through my entire career has always been writing. You know, whether I've been um, writing for newspapers and magazines, or writing books, or writing marketing content, or you know, being an editor for marketing props, all that stuff. It's all about writing for me, editing, um, and so that really is where my heart is. And so I think, you know, in the next iteration, you know, where would I, what would I do next, or what will I be doing? You know, what, what where do where do I see myself going? Um, I think it would probably be producing some something that's not necessarily related to marketing, but you know, maybe a book of fiction, maybe a book of short stories. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that I think about doing, um, but I'm just I don't, I'm not ready to do that right now. I'm just uh, it's not where my my head is. So that's probably a non-answer, but that's... It is, a, it, is a, it is a little bit, a little bit. I was going to come back a little bit more. So there's no, like, greater problem to say, like, you know, this is what I see, this is the problems that I see, like, I know this person who can help me do this, so let's go do... Like, there's nothing like that out there. I feel like there's got to be something in there. Um, not really, no. I mean, I, you know, the thing is, I just... I just published Everybody Writes in the Fall, um, and so I'm still really... Like, that's really where my head still is, you know, it's not like I'm ready to move on to another project or I'm thinking about what's next, at least right now. I mean, I'm sure that there's stuff in the back of my mind that I will that I am thinking about almost subconsciously, but, you know, there's nothing that I'm really... That's what I was trying to pull out, and you're, giving, you're, you're, really, you're really fighting me on it. I'm trying well, to pull well, it out, but... I, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's like I'm, I'm not quite done. It's like I've, I've never... I'm not the kind of person that, you know, jumps from project to project to project. Like, to me, Everybody Writes really was or is my, um, you know, it's, it's so near and dear to my heart, and it's just, it really means a lot to me in terms of, um, of you know, the content and the effort that I put into that book. I mean, it's just, it's, it's very personal. And so, in that sense, you know, I'm not quite done with it, you know. It's like, I'm just not, I'm still into talking about it and marketing it and trying to help marketers understand the, the bigger messages that are in it. So, like, for me, you know, that's it, I think, for 2015 um, and really helping marketers and businesses become better writers in a way that's really fun and accessible and doesn't feel like drudgery. You know, that's, the kind, that's really what I'm thinking about. Well, I guess I'll have to deal with you making me feel a little bit more schizophrenic than normal and I will have to make peace with my own 
thoughts that are scattered across and know that you are a lot more focused than I. Uh, but we will wrap up with this uh, final question. And there is this kind of big trend of, of saying no. Like that's kind of this like, I would say trend of people, you know, like what you said, like, you know, making sure that you say no to more things. Yeah. So, I mean, is there really power in saying no or is there just really more room for regret down the road? <laughs> that's hilarious. I don't know. And honestly, I don't feel like there's a, there's a big That was my funniest there. question. I didn't think that was going to be a funny question of all the stuff that I had. Question. It's just going to lead to more. I mean, pretty much, you know, well, almost everything I do in some way leads to some sort of regret down the road, but that's probably just my personality. It's the Irish in me. You know, I can't help it. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'll have you'll have to ask me that question next year, and um, and I'll next year when I see this come up on TimeHop, I'll tell I'll, I'll reach out to tell you whether I have regrets or not. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, I think again, everybody sort of makes their their own decisions. I think for me, I mean, every time I say no, as I was expressing before, it does come with some measure of regret. You know, I always wonder. Should I have said no? Maybe I should have said yes. I, you know, my, my brother always used to say to me, you know, you live life with uh, looking in the rearview mirror. And he's right. I do. I tend to look in the rearview mirror quite a bit. Um, but, you know, that's probably just also just my, my nature. So, so I don't know. I'll let you know. All right, and I will let you off the hook with that. I'm not quite satisfied, but we might have to follow up with that a little bit later. But, Anne, I do appreciate you taking the time uh, for coming on to the show. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Everybody Writes a little bit, but talk about that a little bit more or you know, wherever else you might think people would want to check you out. Sure. So um, one thing I am not opting out of is my, um, my personal blog this year. It's at annhanley.com. Um, and I talk a little bit about writing and marketing and businesses there, but I also just talk a lot about life. Um, so definitely check it out at annhanley.com. You can subscribe to get regular updates of that um, right on the website itself. You can find out about Everybody Writes at everybodywrites.com, or, or you can find it on Amazon at bit.ly slash everybodywrites. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, it is, it's, it's the book that I wrote to try to help businesses have more fun with their writing and, and just to make writing more accessible and, and for businesses to embrace the power of writing and of their words and of their story. All right, and well, fantastic stuff. And really appreciate you taking the time to be here. We will catch you guys on the next one. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.